Welcome to Michael Stone's podcast, Awaken the World. This podcast is part of an online community library we're developing, one that contains podcasts, videos, transcripts and booklets based on Michael's talks. The goal of this library and this podcast is to bring mindfulness and mental health into the spotlight. Through this work, we're creating new ways to wake up through socially engaged, conscious, spiritual practice. We're creating a culture of compassion and collaboration. We've left our physical monasteries and we're bringing them online. Before we get to today's podcast, I want to take a moment to ask you to consider becoming a patron of this podcast through Patreon. Pledging is easy and can be as little as $1 per month. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Michaelstone and click on the big orange button on the top right of the page. Thank you for listening. Monica has given you a treasure. That treasure is you. That treasure is every form of medicine that arrived for you this week, this year, and in your life so far. That treasure is trust. And if you could only trust yourself, if we could all trust ourselves, we could live such sane and compassionate and creative lives. To trust yourself to speak and to also know when not to speak. To listen and to also know when you can't listen. The purest intention is to turn back to yourself and just to trust yourself completely. And to trust yourself completely is to see that you have everything you need. You don't need anything else to practice. You have everything you need. Your formal practice may depend on a good cushion or being able to find the root of a tree to sit under, and good friendship, good teachers that also come in unexpected forms 
and in unexpected places. And may not sit at the front of a room. They may not have read texts. They may not do a practice that you recognize. But like medicine, your teachers are everywhere, inside and out. That's the practice. And yet, freedom doesn't actually depend on form. What a joke that your freedom actually doesn't even depend on this practice. Freedom is not dependent on anything. And yet, we forget. So then we practice. Breath by breath. Trusting ourselves. Trusting that the body knows exactly how to breathe. An anxious student, Daiju, goes to see a teacher, Baso, very anxious about his practice. I can't stay with the breath. What am I doing on retreat? It's New Year's. An anxious student, Daiju, goes to his teacher, Baso, and Baso looks at him. So usually in these stories, the teacher asks the question, or the student asks the question, And usually when the teacher asks a question, you know the teacher spots something. So the teacher, Basso, starts, What are you looking for? Daiju says, Enlightenment. I mean, isn't that like you and me? Maybe you don't use that vocabulary. But what are you looking for when you keep putting money in the bank to feel grounded and secure? What are you looking for when you try and find your completeness in somebody else? Or in notoriety or reward or the right career? Enlightenment, freedom, to be connected to something greater than ourselves. Humans, since the beginning of time, have needed the transcendent dimension in their life, to be connected to something bigger than ourselves. This is why we invented art. and the art of religion when it's done well. So, what are you looking for? And Daiju responds, enlightenment. Almost with a question mark at the end. 
also responds. You have your own treasure house. Why are you looking outside of yourself? You have your own treasure house. Why are you looking outside of yourself? It's not over. Daiju responds. Where's my treasure house? (laughs) Basso says, what you're asking is your treasure house. Where's my treasure house? What you're asking is your treasure house. There's another story like this in the Yoga Vasishta where a very confused man is distressed that his son is distressed. Maybe you have a child who's distressed. You know what that's like. Or a friend who's close to you. Or a cat. Or a friend with a cat. and goes to the king and says, my son is really distressed. Please talk to him. And he looks at the son and says, what's, what's going on? The son says, everything is impermanent. Everything I think about, everything I try and do to create myself is slipping away. Every relationship I enter into is impermanent. And when he says that, suddenly all the musicians in the court stop. All the cooks stop. And the whole palace goes silent because they hear something that is so true that everything we try and hold on to is actually impermanent. And the thing about impermanence is you always learn it the hard way. So the son says, I'm totally distressed by this. And the king says, impermanence is not the problem. In fact, there's no problem. 
And the son says, what do you mean, my son? My father, what do you mean? He's totally distressed. Look at him. And the king says, this is the path. Some of you maybe expected something special to happen on the retreat. And I think for some of you, there have been really wonderful experiences. And also distressing. And sometimes you flip-flop between them. Freedom is not dependent on feeling good. I want to go back to Daiju and Basso um, because there's a twist in the story. Um, Daiju becomes uh, an amazing teacher. <laughs> so he gets this teaching, right? He gets this, you know, he wants to wake up, and he's told that you you are the treasure house. Where where is this treasure house? Where do I find it? And and he says that that question is the treasure house. Just like the story with Rama. The son's distressed. And and just the fact he comes to the king with this question and is open to this question um, is his treasure house. So so Daichu becomes a teacher, and he has only one teaching, and he yells at, he yells at all of his students. And do you want to hear what he says? He says, open your treasure house and use your treasures. (laughs) Can you imagine this? So... It's time for interviews, and you go to the, the room with all the books, and you go, oh, this person doing the interview has probably read all these books, must have some wisdom, you know. And all they say is, open your treasure house and use your treasures. And the truth is, if someone said that to you, maybe you'd say, Where's my treasure house? (laughs) (laughs) And then when we have a connection to our treasure house, which is what I handed to Monica and she handed to you, that's to remember your treasure house. Sometimes when we forget something, we have to kind of place it outside of ourselves to remember again. Maybe that's why we fall in love. Just to to remember again that we can be that connected. 
And then to remember we can suffer that much. (laughs) My friend said to me recently, when people split up, they become so free. Why do they get together? Decipher what he's saying. He's saying, open your treasure house. Use your treasures. But it's risky, isn't it, sometimes, to really use your treasures? I mean, to actually be who you are. And then when you connect to your treasure house, Healing just happens. Old wounds get healed. And atonement is possible. Atonement for your beginningless greed, hatred, and confusion. Born of body, speech, and mind. Forgiveness is possible. Not judging, not punishing. Others, and also your own body. Not just your body, but how much punishing do we do with our speech? What a dead end. I had this image come to me many years ago when I first started practicing, that all this practice was, was taking dead end signs. You know when you you drive, not so much in my neighborhood, but except on Cunningham Avenue. Um, Imagine if the city put dead end signs at the end of the street. Could you picture that? (laughs) Um, And I had this thought that this whole practice was basically taking every dead end sign and just putting it right at the front of every street in your mind. When you start going down the self-judgment lane, it's a dead end. When has that ever taken you somewhere? There's nothing wrong with a dead end as long as you know it's going to be a dead end. (coughs) And when you free yourself, you free everybody around you. When you come home from this retreat, your lover will say, when's the next one? (laughs) I asked somebody on the way up here, 
Was it hard to get away from your family to go on the retreat? No. <laughs> My husband said, go, go. So um, I carry around me with me uh, whenever I teach. Um, and at home I keep it beside my electric toothbrush, which is the most amazing thing ever. Um, in fact, I lost her this year and somebody bought me a new one. And um, this Quan Yin, you probably can't even see it, which is uh, the female version of Avalokiteshvara. You translate that uh, from Sanskrit to English, it means one who hears all the cries of the world. That's actually not true. Uh, it depends on how you pronounce it and where the syllable lands. It could also mean one who looks down on the world. But either way, one who hears the cries of the world. And if you look closely, and I'll leave it out you know, you can look. Some of you know I talk about her endlessly. And... Um, She's, she's leaning a little bit to the side. She doesn't stand straight up and down. And she's surfing on a lotus flower, which is on the ocean of samsara, of habit, meaninglessness, and addiction. And she's surfing. Most statues, you know, they're so upright. Some have like 72,000 arms, you know, and a perfect spine. She's not. She's just managing to keep her balance. She's making hot chocolate, smoking a cigarette, and cooking seven things. She's you. And she's holding a vase, and she's pouring the vase into the ocean. And the vase is filled with tears. She's crying, and she's crying your tears. And she's collected them into a vase. And then she's taking all of your tears and her tears and pouring them back into the ocean. Do you ever taste your tears? They drip down. and It's ocean. And she's taking the ocean and putting it back into the ocean. One of the well-known tantric practices in India is to take the holiest thing you can find, which is the Ganges, pick it up and give it back to the Ganges. So brilliant. It's a ritual with no residue. This is what she's doing. All those tears that you cried this week that you think are yours, they're just tears. In the Yoga Sutra, Patanjali says, 
allowing vedana, allowing a feeling to just be a feeling. Oh, huh? Can you imagine this? It's just another treasure in the treasure house. And it's not yours. I know that we all have wounds and there's a sadness that you think is yours that's so personal that other people could never really understand. And yet, the way the body expresses it with salt water is just the natural world. All the treasures of the natural world moving through us. And Kuan Yin is taking her tears and giving them back. And just like you have to give everything back, even when you die. Sometimes we think when we die, something's being taken away. But actually death is really the ultimate act of generosity. When you die, you're finally giving everything away. Could you practice in a way that at the moment you die, you are giving away? When you cry, you're giving away these tears. Don't hold on to them. They're not yours. But you still have to cry. And you still have to experience the tears. You can't be impersonal and go, oh, just, you know, tears, I don't feel anything. Because they won't come. You're a human being. And when you cry, like fish, you ever see fish cry? Have you ever really looked at the eye of any fish? Any fish. Even a lobster. They all look like they're crying all the time. Our kids, you know, they cry, and after a minute, they're done. (laughs) Cleaned out, and on to something else. Do you remember that feeling as a kid? You cry, and there's there's a point where it's done, and you can go back to the Lego or whatever. (laughs) Or if you're a Waldorf kid, the wood... And don't idealize Kuan Yin. She's really crying. In, in, In Japan, Kuan Yin becomes Bosatsu. Gary Snyder wrote a poem about Bosatsu and idealizing Bosatsu. He said, go ahead, you be Bosatsu, and I'll be the cab driver driving you home. (laughs) Your teachers are in the most unexpected places. Go ahead, you try and be compassion. And meanwhile, I'll sweep the floor, cook the food. Kuan Yin's just hanging on. She's you and me.
Where's my treasure house? I felt that. I know you felt that. Where's my treasure house? You know, when I first came on the retreat this week, I really, I was nervous at the beginning because I have amazing teachers. And they're almost perfect. I can't stand them sometimes. (laughs) I mean, even when I can't stand them, they're perfect. (laughs) Who am I to be here without any of them? And then somehow, as the retreat goes on, I I forget about myself. And then the treasure house is there. And the same thing's happening for you. You come on retreat with expectations, ideas. It's great to watch everyone when they first sit. The first period of sitting is usually really good. It's so stiff. (laughs) And then it just deteriorates. (laughs) And then you find the treasure house. And every retreat, it's the same story. You start finding the treasures in the most unexpected places. Like I was saying earlier, you know, you want to be one with everything. Sometimes I want to say, really? Really? When I studied psychology, I studied with an amazing man named James Hillman, who was just a maverick and troublemaker. And when Carl Jung died, he became the director of the Jung Institute in Zurich. He started this policy that when he interviewed people who wanted to come to Zurich and become Jungian analysts, at the time they were called analytical psychologists. I mean, (laughs) could you picture your business card? (laughs) Monica Burr, analytical psychologist. I'm sure that people would come there quickly. And um, he had this policy where if people came in and said, you know, I really want to help people, he would never let them in. And if people came in and they were on their knees and falling apart, he would always let them in. And that's where you find the treasure house. So strange. And then this thing happens at the end of the year or towards the end of the retreat where out of nowhere, joy starts coming. Starts with someone laughing. 
And then unexpectedly, a kind of lightness shows up. That's also the treasure house. So when we free ourselves, we're also freeing everyone around us. When we free ourselves, we're freeing everyone around us. Take care of your treasure house. 